Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you, the mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids, from the newborn to the rebellious teenager. Our mission is to provide you with hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. I am your host, Tony Smith, and today we continue our discussion on The Absence of Dad Part 2. I want to jump straight into our Bible verse this week and then provide you with a brief overview of the structure of the episode. So we're jumping into Proverbs 10, 1. It says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. So the structure of this episode really revolves around a question for this verse. And that question is, why? This proverb of Solomon claims that a wise son would bring his father joy. But why? Why should we bring joy to our father? Especially if he has been absent or uninvolved in our lives growing up. And foolishness brings grief to the mother. Why don't poor choices affect how our dads feel? Isn't acting up, even when we're just kids, another way of crying out for attention? Well, I want to dive into this concept because the reality is we all sometimes struggle with honoring our father and mother with our decisions. We try to do what's right, but it isn't always what our parents think is right, whether they're involved in our lives or not. And out of the Ten Commandments, the first four focus on our relationship with God, and the remaining six focus on our relationship with other people. But the first commandment that deals with people-to-people relationships is that of honoring our moms and dads. And I know absent dads can bring a lot of resentful and bitter emotions to the surface. Are we still called to honor them? And what does that even mean anyways? So let's get to it. So first, we're going to focus on the context of this verse, Proverbs 10, 1, and why Solomon would say this. Second, I want to look at the effects of having an absent dad and how they affect our adult lives and as parents. And lastly, we're going to close with why honoring our parents, specifically our fathers, are so important to God and how we can still honor them even if we disagree with their choices or are emotionally detached, or even filled with resentment towards them. So our first section, the context. So Proverbs 10.1 is a common theme in the book of Proverbs in regards to the parent-child relationships. A similar passage is Proverbs 19.26, and it kind of says the opposite. It says, He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. So what is Solomon getting at anyways? Well, I think what it points to is the power that children have. And we might not like it, but I think we also need to embrace it, allowing these words to motivate us as parents. I believe Solomon means to say that children have power to make mom and dad joyful or miserable. Kids can bring parents honor or shame. And the reality is that kids probably don't realize this. Their words and actions definitely have an impact on their parents. 
I also think Solomon knows that in time, every son is going to have the ability to overpower their father, even to the point of violence. A simple phrase known as elder abuse. And it seems this exists in our society as well, but it definitely occurred in the time of Solomon. He witnessed it. His older brother, Absalom, taking over the throne from his father, David, and eventually attempted to take his life. And yet, no matter what, David still cared for and loved his son, Absalom. And Absalom's actions broke his heart and brought shame upon him. A kind of worst-case scenario is when a son beats or kills his father and kicks mom out of the house. It almost makes you question how involved David was as a dad. Was he neglectful to the point where one of his sons rebelled against him? And I think these verses offer wisdom, but also a word of caution, a, word, a warning. That as parents, your children have a tremendous impact on your life, just like you have a tremendous impact on theirs. I'm not saying David was a neglectful parent or even an absent dad, even though he might have been. I simply don't know. But I do know that he was grieved by his son Absalom's actions. And there are also consequences for the sons who don't live in such a way that is honoring to God. So dads, if you fail to teach and train your kids to walk in the way of the Lord, there's going to be heartache. There's going to be grief and sadness and consequences. Which transitions into our second part. How do absent dads affect us as adults? The father-child relationship definitely has more of an impact than one would suggest. Since we're talking about dads in this episode, the focus for this point is going to be between father and son. Because most likely, those sons will grow up to be fathers themselves. And I know our society and culture revolves around busyness. We're constantly busy, on the move, doing something and getting involved in sports and activities, using up our time that doesn't exactly pour into or invest in our family as a family unit. On the bare bones structure of this is a typical dad who works Monday through Friday and is home on the weekends. How do dads invest in their kids in the evenings or on those weekends? So there's a number of studies done over the last 50 years on parental involvement with their kids, typically the younger years between ages 0 and 12. So I was doing some research, and I found some consistency between a few articles and studies. So as a preface, the studies that I've done have focused on a two-parent home, whether that's biological kids or adopted or step-parents. Single-parent families is not the focus for this episode, And I'm sure the results for parents in those situations are drastically different than what I'm about to share. But however, I'm focusing on two-parent homes. And there's a few things that I found. And on average, the first one is that dads have increased their amount of time being involved in the lives of their kids since 1970. So over the last 50 years, each decade there seems to be a small increase in time involved with their kids, both on the weekdays and the weekends. The second thing that I found is the average amount of time dads spend with their kids on the weekdays is around two hours. 
Some articles say two and a half, some articles say one and a half, but it seems that on weekdays, dads spend around two hours with their kids. And that number triples on the weekends. Now, with that amount of time of involvement, I want you to get this. Out of the two hours of involvement that dads have with their kids on the weekdays, only about 50%, that's half, 50% of that time is when dads are directly involved with their kids. The other 50%, dads are nearby and available to their kids if needed. That comes out to be an average of one hour a day on the weekdays, one hour of direct involvement. And that includes playing games, watching TV, being outside, roughhousing, eating, shopping, etc. Like I mentioned before, that number about triples on the weekends for dads. What did surprise me is that the amount of time has increased over the last half a century. Like emotionally for me, spending only one hour with my kids on the weekdays doesn't seem like a lot. Like if you write it down on paper, it seems like it's minimal. But direct involvement, one hour, that's it. But this is that quantity over quality argument too. If you spend a strong 60 minutes of true intentional time with your kids, there's a lot of value in that. If that 60 minutes is kind of passive, like you're there, but you're on your phone or reading a book or just sort of halfway there, well, the bond you have with your kids will be even more limited. So looking at yourself as a dad right now, how much time do you spend with your kids in a day? Is it above that average? Is it below that average? Does it vary? Does it come in seasons? And what about your own father? How do you feel when you think about the amount of time your dad spent with you? I remember when I was 13 or 14, uh, my dad and I, I had a bet with my dad. I told him that if I'd, I would beat him in a foot race, that he'd have to play with me every day until I turned 25. Kind of an, uh, kind of an unreasonable gamble, but the bet was made because I wanted more quality time with him. It was my way of getting to what my heart longed for without getting too personal. I mean, I was I was just entering my teenage years, and I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know how to verbalize it. Anyways, I beat him in that foot race, but he never kept his end of the deal. And quite honestly, I didn't blame him for it. That was such a tall order for anybody and completely unrealistic. But I do wish he had spent more time with me while we were younger. And quite frankly, I think he did a pretty good job of investing time with my sister and I anyways. You know, he was intentional on playing board games like Life and Monopoly. And it seemed like we did that every Friday night. And we'd go sledding in our backyard uh, during the winter and riding quads or go fishing. You know, it was it was good. And so my question is, how was it with your dad when you were younger? It's something you have to ask yourself and be aware of because it leads us to our second point, how absent dads affect us as adults. Because the short answer to, the quest, to a question like this is that we typically follow suit. If our dads were distant from us while we were kids, we are typically distant from our own kids when we become parents. If our dads were absent while we were growing up, we will most likely be absent to our kids while they grow up. 
it's this cyclical pattern like so many other things in life. But it doesn't have to be. We have the ability to change, to adjust, to overcome those patterns and bad habits and to be the parents that God calls us to be, to be the mom or the dad that you desire to be. Yeah, it's not easy. It often feels like we're in the trenches. And to be honest, I'm already feeling like I'm missing some special moments with my own kids. You know, every fall and winter, my daughters and I play a game called The Dark Game. It started maybe, oh, three years ago. But basically, right before they go to bed, we play hide-and-seek in the house, but we turn off all the lights. And it gives me an opportunity to sneak throughout the house and try and scare them. And it gets really dark. I mean, really dark. Because here, around 7 o'clock in the fall, it just gets darker and darker each day. But anyways, we started playing it, and as my kiddos get older, they get smarter and more strategic. And the things that I do the last few years, I can't do anymore. Because they know all of my secret hiding spots, or they're quicker than they used to be running through the house. So it's still fun, but it was an eye-opener for me. It actually brings me a lot of sadness because I'm seeing them grow up, which is wonderful. And those experiences playing the dark game the last few years are now memories. And that's what they'll always be now moving forward. They'll be memories. No matter how many kids we have, we really just get one shot. We get one chance to raise them. And I mean, my girls are only six, four, and a newborn, but... The time raising them goes by fast. And I know that as adults, we have responsibilities. We have jobs. We need to earn a living to provide for our families. And there's an excitement to find a career you're passionate about, a career that gives you motivation and drive every day that you love. And finding your purpose in life through work is great. But don't let your family be the cost. That's an urge and a plea. I'm speaking to both parents here because moms are guilty of this too. Letting your career consume you to where you leave your children behind, that's a problem. And letting your family consume you isn't good either. We should be pursuing God on a daily basis, allowing his spirit to consume us. So my encouragement to you is that if you truly only have an hour to pour into your kids on a daily basis, make the most of it. Do a science experiment. Play a card game. Explore outside, have a heart-to-heart conversation, go on a daddy-daughter date, get into God's Word together. As we enter into the Real Life with the Smiths section of the show, just this morning, I was having my own quiet time with the Lord, and I was reading Romans chapter 8. It was like 6.30 in the morning, and our middle daughter walks out and sits on my lap on the couch. And so I asked if she wanted me to read out loud and asked her what I was reading, and she nodded her head, and so I began to read Romans 8. I didn't get very far because there's some big fancy words in there, but it led to a gospel conversation. Mind you, she's four. But as she was listening, I asked her if she knew 
what the chapter was talking about. And I explained to her how sin prevents us from knowing God and having a relationship with him. And I have this black bracelet with the four spiritual laws on my wrist. So I was a part of Campus Crusade for Christ in college. It's also known as Crew. And the founder of that organization came up with the four spiritual laws, which basically summarizes the gospel of Jesus in four steps. It's pretty cool, and I'll throw a link in the description below so you can check it out. But one of those symbols is a division sign. You know, the the two dots with a line in between. That symbol represents sin dividing us from God on the bracelet. So I explained to her that sin prevents us from knowing God like a sliding door. I was using this as an analogy. You know, when she goes outside, I have to open the slider so that she can get out and then I shut it because she can't really open it herself. I asked her if she could play with me or hug me or talk to me when she's outside and I'm inside in the slider, the sliding door is shut. She said no, and I explained to her that that's what sin is like. It prevents a relationship with God. It prevents you and God from being together. Now, this is a very four-year-old version of what sin actually does, but I took an abstract concept and made it concrete for her to understand. And even if I didn't get the explanation perfect or right, look at what that experience did and how it could have been different. I could have seen her crawling on my lap as an inconvenience or even an annoyance and told her to get down and color or do something else because I was busy having my God time. I could have prevented her from snuggling on my lap on the couch as I read my Bible. I could have been an absent dad in the presence of my daughter. But this time, I didn't. I embraced it, and it led to a wonderful conversation. And not only that, but later this morning, I spent some time mowing the yard and put on some gloves. Well, when I took my gloves off outside, my bracelet with those four spiritual laws on it fell off. I didn't realize it at the time, but a few hours later, as the girls were playing outside, here she comes running in saying, Dad, I found your bracelet. It was on the ground. I didn't even know it had fallen off. But she knew what it was, and she knew it was mine, and she gave it back to me. It's these little moments and experiences that make the difference in your parenting. God doesn't call us to do some extraordinary thing every day. He calls us to trust in him through the daily, non-exciting, mundane things of life. That's what being an involved parent looks like. Those little moments that you need to be looking for or at least sensitive to are what make you a good father or a good mother. Lastly, how can we honor those dads who were absent or neglectful or abusive? This definitely ties back into the previous episode, but does God really call us to honor our parents even if they were terrible? Well, the short answer is yes, he does. Does that mean we should do whatever they say or heed their advice? No. If you have an abusive parent or an apathetic parent, there should be boundaries established. But to honor them means to think or act in a way that gives a respect for a divinely chosen role. Yes, it was no mistake from God how he created you under whatever circumstance, planned or unplanned, made from love or evil. You are here. 
And you all know this, but a parent is not just the physical or the biological. There is a great spiritual responsibility there. And God intended it that way, regardless of what sin may have prevented your parents from doing so. So I want to be sensitive here because the truth is, saying we should honor someone who was never there or mean or cruel can stir up a great deal of emotion. And I say these things with the utmost sympathy coming from what I believe God's word is saying. And this is not just me. This is not just me talking. So let's focus on three ways we can honor our father that was absent or non-existent. First, you have to forgive them. The achy, uncomfortable cliche of offering forgiveness. How hard is it to forgive someone that doesn't deserve it? Well, that's exactly what forgiveness is. That's exactly what mercy is, offering compassion on someone who deserves to be punished. That's forgiveness. Look at us standing before God and how sinful we are. Yet by the blood of Christ, we are forgiven when we deserve an eternity apart from God. This is something God calls us to do. Forgiveness does not mean you forget. It doesn't mean your relationship with your absent dad is restored and everything goes the way it should and that it turns perfect, it's not real. It does, however, provide evidence of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within you and that he's activated in your life. If your dad was abusive, you should be kept at a safe distance from him. We can forgive and still be wise. To forgive those who have sinned against us as God our Father has forgiven us for our sin against him, is not an easy thing to do, but it is powerful. Second thing that we should do to honor our Father is to pray for them. Pray for God to reach into their hearts and change them drastically. Kids who are neglected often struggle to receive love from others, including the love from God. They just don't know how or feel uncomfortable doing so. Pray that their lives would be radically transformed by the power of Jesus. Thirdly, address them honorably. How you talk about them, what you say about them, or even what you say to them. Calling them mother, father, mom, or dad, it can be a sensitive topic if you say, oh, this is my real dad instead of my biological dad. You know, a stepfather who raised and nurtured you is a very real sense of the title father or dad. Using the word real to describe biological can be devaluing to your stepparents who had invested their lives in you in comparison to your biological parents. And I know this can be challenging for many people because so many of you have a poor relationship with your parents simply because of the neglect or the abuse. If you read, if you get a chance to read about David and Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 24, so Saul, the first king of Israel, he was wicked, like he was evil, but he was still the Lord's anointed. He was still the Lord's chosen. David, who would become king after Saul's death, had every opportunity to take Saul's life multiple times, but he didn't. David even felt guilty for cutting the corner of Saul's robe simply because he was the Lord's chosen as the king of Israel. 
I believe that every parent, father or mother, is anointed or chosen by God. Does sin often get in the way? Absolutely. There are some of the most atrocious evils in the world when it comes to parenting. Things that parents do to their kids, things that adults with power do to the innocent and vulnerable, it angers me so much. But vengeance is for the Lord. Calling our fathers and mothers names strips the honorable title God has given them, regardless of how wicked they are. What we do in response to our parents is also what is in our hearts, and we all know that's exactly what God looks at. These are hard words that I say because we all want justice against those who are unjust. Maranatha, the Lord is coming where there will be justice, and believers will be brought into the kingdom of heaven where every tear wiped away. So talking with God at some point today about your relationship with your own father is my walking wisdom for you. If you have an absent dad, do you need to forgive him? Do you need to pray for him? Do you need to address him with honor or stop talking bad about him, whether to his face or behind his back? Work with God through it. You don't need to get through it all today. Take some baby steps. Even having a conversation with God about it is refreshing. Pouring your heart out to him will bring peace, especially if this is something you've held in for such a long time. I hope you have a great day and be blessed. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening to our show. We appreciate all of your support. And thanks again. This is The Walk.